2: Stomp, stomp, stomp.
3: <laughs> you are listening to the Burrows of Berea. Side studies.
2: Hey, everybody. Just a quick technical note. The uh, crowd mic had a, a little bit of a technical issue uh, near the end of this episode. Uh, not enough so that you don't get what she was trying to say. Uh, thank you for understanding.
0: Well, welcome back to the boroughs of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and to my left, straight out of Compton, is Ralph Hicks. Represent Cherry, the Annihilator Lewis. Hello, Charlton, our Carter the sitting
2: in for Sarita and Billy. I'm here. You are. You and got you got four shoes to fill. You got to oh. both be. You got to be a large woodworking. Well, I'm a large boy, and, uh, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm you, a real boy. But you also have to be. But <laughs> you also have to be Sarita at the same time.
0: So. Yes. And you just heard him, Rocket Man, Andy Bishop. <laughs> We are here at Berean Bible Church, and we are about to get this roundtable underway. We have been talking about this for about six weeks leading up to this. We have the biggest panel that we've ever had in the history of our show, and so this is going to be a lot of fun. So what I'm going to do is just go around introducing uh, each of you, and then we'll get this underway. So first, we have Pete Rue, uh, who is the author of The Return of Christ, Why Are We Still Waiting? He co-authored that book with his wife, Rachel. Thank you for being here.
4: Thank you for having me. We
0: have Bob Crookshank, a good friend of mine, but also if you go to the Church.org website, you can see several uh, of his sermons that he has there. And you can also go to our website, borosabrea.com, and you can see the Crookshank Corner. We finally got that up, (laughs) and he has been putting that blog out. We have Pastor David Curtis here from the Berean Bible Bible Church. We also have uh, author, and um, you said that you weren't a scholar, Mr. Damar, but I disagree. Author, scholar, theologian. My
5: my my graduate, my undergraduate degree is in physical education, so there you <laughs> okay. go. So we
0: have author and super gymnast.
5: <laughs> it wasn't in gymnastics. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, Gary DeMar, president of American Vision, but also, uh, in particular to today, the author of God and Government, A Biblical, Historical, and Constitutional Perspective. Uh, We also have Jeffrey McCormick, uh, who is from Berean Bible Church. You can also go to there, bereanbiblechurch.org, and you will see several talks that he did. And by the way, he's the first one that I ever saw. (laughs) He he still claims that it's a good one, yeah. (laughs) But that one notch in my belt. (laughs) yes. We have Denise Sullivan, <laughs> by now you have been, uh, as I call her, de-nice. She, is, she was introduced, you've already heard her testimony at this point, and so she is sitting here, and her husband, Michael Sullivan. And in particular, I wanted to say, author of the book, Armageddon Deception, The Eschatology of Islam and Zionism, a biblical response, which I think is very uh, meaningful for what we're about to talk about today. You know, So today, the, the topic is actually the preterist worldview and how it affects society. And so what I wanted to do is, because we're new, you know, the boroughs are new to this worldview. We understand the dispensational worldview and we know what it has done to our, pers- to our society. We know how it affects us, even in our own communities today. So we want to, much like the Berean Bible Church conference, how now shall we live we want to ask those questions. And so I'm just going to go through. I'm going to ask each one of you, if you would, I was going to read this, um, this one statement made by George Washington. I don't want to read the entire thing because we would be here for quite some time. But it's interesting to note that on October 3rd, 1789 in New York City, that our first president uh, created a day of Thanksgiving. And since Thanksgiving is just a few days away. I thought it would be appropriate to read a few words from uh, what he proclaimed on the day of Thanksgiving. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God and to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor, and whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assigned Thursday, the 26th day of November, next to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent, author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, which I think is only part of it, but it's a remarkable statement for us today to look back on.
5: You know, what's interesting about that, a lot of people don't know, but remember, the Constitution was drafted in 1787, but it was incomplete because the states wanted, the, the Constitution is a document of enumerated powers. Only those powers actually listed in the Constitution does the federal government have. That's the essential premise of the Constitution. The states weren't satisfied with that, so they sent everybody back in order to what we get now is a Bill of Rights, first 10 amendments of the Constitution. So the First Amendment was, was passed by this Congress in 1789. The Constitution was finally ratified in 1791. So George Washington is making that statement After the addition of the First Amendment to the Constitution, where it says Congress shall make no law law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So the way the First Amendment is understood today is contrary to what George Washington actually stated in that Thanksgiving address. Oh, wow. He's thanking God for giving them the opportunity to peaceably assemble, to establish the Constitution, which included the First Amendment to the Constitution. So if you listen to the ACLU or Americans United for Separation of Church and State, you would, you would have to say that, that uh, George Washington was very contradicting what they had just done, mm-hmm. thanking God, because the ACLU and Americans United and these other organizations say the First Amendment is, is to uh, c- create a separation between church and state, which means to keep religion completely out of government. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that Thanksgiving declaration there is, is, is essential to understand what our founders meant and for what the First Amendment is all about. You could you could write you could believe what you know, believe religiously, you could write about it, you could assemble about it, you could print about it. and if you had any problems, you could uh, you could petition the government for a redress of grievances over over all these issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- this is a good starting point for us to understand the relationship between what I believe was the Christian religion at that particular period of time and where we are today in this, in this culture. They mm-hmm. understood it better, I think, than we do.
0: Sure, I think much like we do with the Bible when we talk about audience relevance, I think some of our earliest documents in our nation, we should probably put the relevance there too. We definitely need to see that because it it meant different things to them. They weren't thinking about the world that we... I mean, they're, they're thinking of the world, but not in the way that we see it today, the way that it is, especially with the nations as established as they are and how quick information flows and the technocrats and all of the things that have happened in our world. They weren't really aware of that, you know, or even the right to bear arms. I don't think they were thinking about... You know, Apache helicopters that were coming in, you know, they, were, they had a different idea about bearing arms. Pete, uh, thank you for sharing your testimony earlier today. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you since you wrote that very simple book, um, you're, you're teaching this um, eschatology of full preterism and with this topic of worldview. How did it change your worldview for the way that you live today?
4: Well, I think, um, and again, I know you guys are aware of dispensationalism, you know, but um, I don't know if the audience is as well, but like, to me, that was just like, the world is getting worse, everything, you know, don't polish brass in a sinking ship, I know which Bob said earlier. It's just this kind of um, negative outlook of the future, and when I came to full preterism, uh, it gave me hope. Like, first of all, first and foremost, Christ did everything he said he was going to do, you know, he's... Because if he didn't do anything, if he was wrong in any point, we can't trust him in anything. So it gave me a sense of my creator, my God, did everything he said he was going to do. He wasn't wrong. And then secondly, for me, the dispensational view kind of gave a little bit of a false hope. And in the sense that, you know, it, it kind of showed that maybe Christ didn't do everything he said he was going to do. Because he said he was going to come at a certain time in the first century and didn't. And that time has gone and passed. And if he couldn't do it, then, you know, what are we supposed to do? But full preterism gives me a sense of hope. He did do everything he said he was going to do. I can trust in him. I can believe in him, and uh, for me, it just um, solidified my faith, and um, it gives me hope that uh, you know I can live my life for the Lord. And we're not looking at this world today as just a sinking ship. But we can get involved. We can get into politics. We can get into government. We can, uh, you know, um, just try to do get involved in the world in any way we can to try to make this a better place. Mm-hmm. And it's, for me, it was very uh, rewarding and, and uh, uplifting because now we can, you know, we don't, I'm not looking at the world as it's just dying and sinking. I'm looking at it like we can make a positive impact on this world and make it a better place and get everyone more involved in politics and everything, you know? So for me, it was just uh really wonderful. And, um, just, uh, I guess built my faith up as well.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Michael Sullivan, so in your book, Armageddon Deception, you talk about Zionism yeah. and you know Islam. So from the dispensational perspective, when we're looking towards the future, a lot of what we're hearing online and in radio programs and behind pulpits is that the end is coming. We're, we can see it right now. We see what's happening. We see what's happening with Israel, correct?
6: Yeah, they they get all excited about it, and these three systems— constantly are are perpetuating conflict in the middle east because they're trying to self-fulfill this end time war uh islam has it in their eschatology the talmud has it all right and then of course evangelical zionism you know i was you know i went to chuck smith's church and graduated their bible college and you know i didn't even think i was going to get married you know because the rapture was going to happen um so, yeah, so you just have to look at these different worldviews, and they're constantly trying to self-fulfill these prophecies that have already been fulfilled. And that's mm-hmm. the beauty of full preterism. You know, that's why we're trying to make a movie about it and, and get it out as much as possible. Um, and, and people ask me, they say, well, what's your worldview? And it's like, Christ has saved me. I'm forgiven. When I die, I continue to be in his presence. I don't have to believe in... You know, the, the world is going to end, or I'm going to be raptured to have a biblical worldview. You know, in uh, Proverbs 13:12 it says, hope delayed make it the heart sick. Mm-hmm. But a hope realized is a tree of life. As full preterists, our hope is realized, and it's glorious. And for a lot of Christians, that's not exciting enough for them. And I always tell them, if it's not exi- that exciting for you, you know, go to a garage sale and pick up the late great planet Earth for 25 cents, mm-hmm. you know, and, and read it and get excited. But Christ— Will you take a nickel? The, the <laughs> book of Revelation is, a, is about the unveiling of Christ and His bride. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's super exciting. And, my, and us being sacred space, and that is, that's an awesome worldview, but we need to be involved in politics, mm-hmm. we really, really do. And that's one of the reasons I wrote the book. I have a, a chapter in there on pacifism, because I was looking at some of these preterists, even full preterists. Some of them voted for Biden. I'm like, oh, my goodness. They had no concept, and some of them were actually pacifists. And I was like, wow, I've got to write a chapter on it. I didn't even know that some of these people believe this stuff. But, um, you know, so... There's a lot to do, even in full preterism and developing worldview um, and, and cleaning some of this up. But did you have anything specific on the book that—
0: Well, just, just the fact that you know, Zionism, you know, that's, it's really Christians that are here in the United States that are pushing for this. I remember, uh, Pastor Curtis, there was a book called Blood Brothers that you mentioned. Could you tell the audience a
7: little bit about what that book was and what Christians were <coughs> doing to one another? Yeah, Blood Brothers, uh, written by Elias Sakura, I believe. Um, he's an Arab, and he's just telling the story of he was living in Israel. And, you know, the Zionists came in and just basically took over. Um, he said he was playing soccer one day, and they found a hand sticking up out of the field. And they had come in and wiped out a whole village and just buried the whole village. Mm-hmm. And he just talks about, you know, the atrocities that took place, when they're trying to get back to Israel and the people who were there were just being wiped out, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's a really encouraging book. He's just basically telling the story of what happened in his life over there, but it's titled blood brothers because he's saying, you know, we're related to these people. You Mm -hmm. know, we come from the same father basically and you know, this is the atrocities that they've done. And so it's, I think it's an excellent book. I highly recommend it to anybody who's interested in that subject.
0: Yeah, when I heard that I thought, wow, that's it's so odd to me that we would we do that. And and I know this can happen brother against brother civil war right here in America, right? This, these things that happen, but whenever you're brothers in Christ, it seems odd to me that we could have be diametrically opposed at some piece of land and then we're going to bury people in it, you know, because they don't believe the way that we do.
7: And the church today is all about Israel. We got to protect them. We got to, you know, he that touches Israel touches the apple of God's eye. And we got Palestinian Christians over there that are being slaughtered and they don't care That as long as Israel's okay. But Israel, it's illegal over there to, to share the gospel with people. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't, it's like, I don't know, the church is... A mess, and I think dispensationalism has a lot to do with that because we abandon everything because of dispensationalism. We're leaving here. We're about to be raptured. We don't need to be involved in politics. We don't need to be involved in culture at all. Just pull back from everything, and so we did. We pulled out of everything, and the culture just dove.
0: Sure, Mr. Demar, with your in within God and government, but also with American history. And, and I, I honestly don't know if you can answer this question. I hope you can. But the Quakers that were during this time, the, uh, when the Revolutionary War was about to begin, they were more of a peaceful group that didn't want to take up arms. Am I right about that?
5: Yeah, you know, Quakers, Mennonites, the Amish. Uh, and it's, it's always interesting that you find those groups moving to a country that would protect them with arms, it's yeah, kind of, it's, you know, which, which I'm, I'm OK with. I don't mm-hmm. have any I don't you want to be a pacifist and so forth. That's 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 OK. Uh, but they're not going to other, they're not going to countries where they would essentially be completely shut out and pros, possibly uh, persecuted. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Quakers were uh, you know, anti-slavery very, very early. Uh, if we had followed their lead on the slavery issue, we never would have had uh, what we call a, a civil war. Um, and Britain, Britain got rid of the, the slave trade and slavery peacefully. They didn't no war over the, over the deal. So the Quakers on that side were, were way ahead of the, way, uh, ahead of the game. Um, the Quakers, I think, and the Mennonites uh, uh, and the Amish are right on this one particular issue, uh, that giving, giving too much power to, to politics is a detriment not only to the church, but to everyone else. They just take it, I think, too far. But again, they're protected within the context of a, of a civil system that, that, in fact, protects them. And so when we're talking about Christians getting involved in politics and social issues and so forth. That's important to say. But we have to also remind people as Christians, we, are, we don't want to switch roles. You know, the, right now we have a very tyrannical, overpowering, full-fledged, political tyranny going on in our culture today. The government, the civil government at the highest levels and even at the state levels have taken over areas in which they have no business being involved in. So we as Christians, when I say we need to get involved in politics, I don't mean let's switch roles so that when Christians get in there, they take over all those things. The goal of being involved in politics is jurisdictional. Let's get, let's put political powers back in their jurisdictional space. Uh, we need to decrease the power of, of civil government at, at all levels. So when, you know, a lot of our Christian friends say, well, politics, why do you want to do that? Because of this and this and this. And they think we want to take over the government. No, we don't want to take over the government. We want the government put back in its proper role. We need to be very clear ab- about that to, to Christians so, that, but, so they understand this. Uh, we're not trying to impose a top-down theocratic system on everybody. What we want to do is to get back to jurisdictional, uh, and that's what my God and Government series is all about, self-government under God, family government, church government, civil government, and decentralized civil government. Uh, so the, the the importance of getting involved politically is to put governments back in their proper boxes so to speak
3: mm-hmm. I think that goes right back to what you were saying earlier and what we've said a bunch of times is what were they talking about in their time uh, when you talked about what Washington was talking about in his time when he talked about that what uh, the Bible uh, and Jesus was saying in his time to the people of his time and and and, and that and I think uh, too many people especially liberals uh, and well we do it too um uh, uh, take whatever it is that's written and we change it to suit our own preference instead of uh, remembering how it was written. The spirit was when it was written and and when and where and by whom.
5: Yeah, I, I, th- I think it's important to also recognize that there was a spillover effect of Christianity among our founders. Look, George Washington, there's some debate as to whether or not he was a committed Christian or not. Thomas Jefferson, another one. Madison was was certainly was trained, uh, trained under uh, Witherspoon, who was a Presbyterian uh, pastor and also taught at, at, at what is today Princeton, uh, these men all grew up within cre- Christian circles, uh, and 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 many of them got you know went outside what we would call Orthodox Christianity, but they they never never went outside the confounds of the the ethical prescriptions related to Christianity. Uh, they knew that 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 it was the it was the super glue that held everything. You know, together they all of them said this, and Jefferson was the one who said you need to you need to bind down, chain down uh, the 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 civil rulers to a constitution, force them to live. They take supposed to take an oath on this very limited document. They understood all this long before we did, and they were operating within a a, a biblical worldview, even though they might not have expressed it publicly. Mm-hmm. Which I
8: think is a, a good point that you bring up about switching roles, is I think most people get so caught up in the justice moment that, well, if we can get back in control, then we can bring justice. to we've been done wrong, and we've had to deal with being done wrong, so we need justice for that. There's no grace coming out of that. So if the role changes, can can the Christians administer grace in those moments to to implement what you're talking about?
5: Yeah, Gary, uh, Dr. Gary North, who died died this year, brilliant, brilliant guy, historian in and, and, and many different areas. He says, look, you can't change just one thing. Our problem is not the people at the top. It, the, the problem is all of us. Oh, absolutely. All Absolute. of us. Right. And the, uh, uh, w- so you just think, oh, if we just change the presidency or we just got a majority in the, in, the, in the Senate and in the House, We'd change everything. I'm just telling you, friends, that's, that's not gonna happen. It's, it starts individually with self-government first, family government, church government, business, whatever the case might be. And, and I, I, for a lot of people, I don't know if you've been following this thing with, with Twitter that you know, Elon Musk says, you need to get back to work and it's hard work and we need to work hard at this. These people freaked out. At hard <laughs> work, we have to work at this. this is, you can't know, give us free food. You're right? all here to to too, too, can't work too young around. to remember. Probably remember the the Adobe Gillis show, and there was a character on there, Maynard G Krebs, and he was kind of the hippie of, of, of the era. And anytime the word work came up, he would go work, work. You know, he, he didn't, there's no way they wanted to do it. But this, look, this is hard work, and the left understands this better than Christians do, because they have an eschatology that's better than ours. They believe in the future, and they believe they're going to control it. Same with Islam. Islam believes in the future. You got Christians who are sitting on the sidelines saying that Jesus come in any moment and wrap your, wrap your side yeah. of here. That, yeah. It's hard work. It, it's so hard. That you keep in mind that in, in the 2020 election, uh, uh, approximately eight, 75 million people voted for uh, um, Donald Trump. 75 million. In this particular, the midterms, about 45 to 50 million voted. That means about 20 million people didn't go to the polls, to, which they could have changed all kinds of things at the highest level of government. And all they had to do was spend maybe a couple of hours in, in one day to do this. Well, what we're asking them to do as Christians is much, much harder than that. So it just tells you where we are as a, as a culture.
7: Well, here's my question, Gary, how I I know a lot of Christians that are just discouraged. They're like, there's no point in voting because they're cheating, you know? And I mean, it's evident. I mean, you know, the mule 2000 mules video is out. It shows clearly. I, I mean, it's, they're so blatant now. They don't even try to cover it up. Okay. They're cheating like crazy. And so Christians are, why go? We don't have a chance. You well,
5: know? yeah. Look, the le- I don't know how far we can get into the weeds on this sort of thing, but let's just, let's just, <laughs> let's just say, let's look. And that was their whole purpose. They 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 kept for two years. They kept talking about election deniers. Right. Deniers, 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 and so you couldn't deny it because if you denied it, you were you were election denier. That's like a Holocaust denier.
7: You get kicked See, off of kept, social media. Because
5: all of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But you know, Florida fixed. Florida fixed its they elections. They did. Yes. They yeah. did. Yep. But how did they do it? People got involved, right. and they they were involved in it. Instead of we complain so much about it after the horses, you know, out of the barn, uh, it it takes us. It, you have to get involved. You got to change. You've got to change the election process in Georgia. I, I'm I live in Georgia right now, and I don't know if you you remember, we, we Georgia lost the the um, All Star game. Was it two years ago? Was it last year? I can't remember. Because supposedly Georgia was denying people the right to vote. Racist. We were racist because of that. Stacey <laughs> Abrams ran on that. And yet in this election, it was a record turnout. And the reason it was a record turnout is because Christians got, people who are in the know understood and fixed the system. And that's what you have to do. You've got to fix Fix the system. Like right now, Arizona is the is the focal point of election fabrication. Uh, but they fixed it in Georgia. They fixed it in Florida, and it, it made a difference in the last election in Florida. I mean, it was a complete blowout. And they fixed it in in, in Georgia. And Stacey Abrams went down. Went down. Uh, we that's we have to do this everywhere. Virginia fixed a lot. They fixed a lot, and I, I was shocked that what happened in Virginia and changing terms of the. The, the, the governor you guys got and every, everything picked up some seats and so forth. It's hard work and it's not going to happen overnight. Just, mm-hmm. That's We got here by years of neglect. It's going to, it's just like, you know, some of us are a little heavier than others and it didn't happen overnight. It, it, you, you're not, your diet's not, you're not going to, it's not going to happen overnight. Watch it now. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you he says watch it good. while yeah. he's yeah. looking at me. Uh, <laughs> watch <Yeah. him> now. <laughs> so this is, it. it's, it's hard work and, you know, just telling you, but if you believe you're living on the precipice of the end times, that the rapture's right around the corner, and this is all predicted, and Jesus is coming back real soon, why? In fact, you are impeding. You are impeding the rapture. It's gotta mm-hmm. get worse. So, <laughs> this Gary Norris phrase: you can't can't change just one thing. All kinds of things have to change, and it's got to it's got to start up here in your head and then in your heart in order to make these changes. And this is what. You know I'm trying to do informationally get this information in people's hands and get it in their heads and it's i it's it's happening, but the other side has been around longer and smarter and more adept and so forth but they're you know they're beginning to break down CNN is falling apart you know all these networks we've got more networks today from the conservative side we've ever had before there's a lot of good stuff going on we can't be we, we, we can't give up because there are still some real problems in our in our culture today. We well, then we can't,
3: can't delegate up. it to someone else. We've got to take it on. Yeah. We've got to teach our kids and understand that it takes generations for this to happen. Like you just said, it didn't happen overnight. It happened generationally right. when they started giving up in the 70s and 80s and then the 90s kicked in and now we've got a bunch of kids that don't seem to care. And that's on us. We need to teach our children, and we need to get in society, and we need to get involved, and we need to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it builds and builds and builds, and then someday we'll see the fruits from it, but we won't today. See, that's, a key, to, that's a key factor there. I was going to say, the, um, if you go back to the original
9: reasons for the public school system and the reason they forced, enforced it, unlike the Southerners after the war, their agenda was to take back the people through the children. And it's multi-generational, and now we're seeing the fruits of it. It's but, worked. It's that education system is what is one of our biggest problems because they're not being taught the constitution, the rights that they have. They're not being taught that it used to be that most states required you to go to church to be a, a public official, you know, the separation wall of wall separation junk is, you know, a joke. They're not taught any of that stuff. They're not taught the rights that they have because they've been dumbed down intentionally because of the war. We can't have them people rising up because they know their rights. That's the whole, one of the whole purposes, and, and, and of course, the, the whole communists and everything that wanted to take back uh, and get rid of the American system. So it's worked. Public school has worked, and it wasn't overnight, and it's taken 100 years or more. And you know, then, and that's the kind of stuff that also has to be fought against, you know, is it's teaching. And that's where you know, American vision, and groups like that who have been publishing these ancient books, ancient to us, 100 years old, you know, that have this history that nobody's being taught nobody and you know i have a friend who started another book company where he's been reprinting books from the late 1800s about the war this this quote unquote civil war showing how that what we think today about that is not what they thought about that when the war was around or happened or whatever so we don't read this stuff. These these t- books have
3: been thrown out, and nobody's studying this stuff. And the education system is winning. Well, kids used to learn from home. The last several hundred years, we've been sending them to school and letting the schools teach them morals and and they're and, making you send and ethics and everything. Exactly. <laughs> Instead of teaching them at home, and so you know, you, if you want to fix things uh, with your kids, you got to fix it at home. You can't send them to school and think that they're going to do it there. They're going to teach their ideology. It's indoctrination. That's intentional.
7: Well, back to Christians focusing. I mean changing the culture. Gary, do you think what happened in Florida was more a top-down thing because DeSantis is there and making some real changes in that?
5: Well, re- remember the whole the whole Chad thing in Florida. That was that yeah. goes all the way back to what was it? two Bush, Bush Gore, yeah, uh, hanging so Chad? so, yeah, hang, hangin Chads and all that. And every time I see somebody named Chad, <laughs> I, 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 I remember their name by by picturing a Chad that's you know the dimple in like their face. I, I, I remember. Oh, that guy's name's Chad. Uh, I mean, that was I mean, <laughs> so that is think of that. I mean, uh, it took it took a while to because you. It's not just the governor that's gonna do this. You, have a, you need the legislature in order to be involved in it. And then you, then the legislature has to, it, it appoints people. Uh, that's what I'm saying. You've gotta get involved in every facet of this to, you know, to do it. But if you have a short, since this is about preterism and culture and politics and so forth, you, you got Christians who, who uh, aren't interested in that because they don't think it will make any difference because Jesus is coming back soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why the whole preterist argument uh, is, is is so important, uh, because it gets people off of this, you know, the idea that there's nothing we can do to change anything. You know, the, you know, you don't pre- you know we use the phrase, you don't polish brass on a sinking ship, or you don't re- rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic. People are still using that illustration today. Uh, and I, I just saw something that John MacArthur, I think John MacArthur is a great guy. He stood up against the... The bureaucrats in, in 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 California over the COVID thing and kept his church open, and that was a real that was a real opening. But there's there's a talk where he he gave it says that we lose down here. Yeah, that's what he said. We lose down here. Well, I'm I'm sorry if that's the why compete, why compete mm-hmm. if we lose, uh, but that is the perspective down here. You know, we we but we're really winners. See, that's the thing. We lose down here but we're really winners. Because when Jesus returns, this is, it, this, everything's, gonna be, everything's gonna be sorted out. Uh, but if, but I, I, I became a Christian in 1973. Uh, Lake Ray Planet Earth came out 1970, so what is that, 30, 52 years ago, more than half a century. And Christians are still pushing the same stuff and Hal Lindsey in 1977, he was interviewed by uh, Ward Gasquey in Christianity Today. And uh, I think it was April issue of Christianity Today. And Ward Gaskway asked him, said, what if, what if you're wrong about this? And, and Hal Lindsey said, well, there's, there's a split, only a split second difference between being a hero and a bum. And I guess if I'm wrong, I'll be a bum. Well, he was wrong, but he's still out there pushing the same stuff. And Chuck, Chuck Smith did it. Uh, 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 Chuck Lorre's, you know, doing Great it. Lord. They're all still saying the same stuff, and uh, people are still enamored with it because it doesn't require any work.
3: Well, look at all the medals we give out. The kids that uh, everybody gets a medal. Well, if you, everybody gets a medal, why work? I'm going to get a medal. It works hard. You got to work hard yeah. to get where you want to get.
5: So, so anyway, that, this is why the I think the eschatological aspect of this is extremely important. And then plus the argument, the, the biblical worldview argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, Francis Schaeffer's phrase: "How should we then live?" Yes. And I, I, I wrote my book. Thomas Nelson published a book I wrote was a critique of um, uh, the Left Behind series. And uh, when I sent it in and all that, and they said it was great, great. He says you need you need a chapter in there. So what do we do now? And that's the question I would ask of people: What? Okay. So now you're a preterist. So you, you abandon all that stuff, and you've done all this, and now you believe this. So now what do you, what do, you do now? And a lot of people don't have an answer for it. They don't know. Or they, some of them will say, we're not supposed to do anything now. We're just, you know, everything just keeps going on and on and on and on, and they have no cultural, no you know, why did God make the world and put us here? That's always the fundamental question. Why were we made, put on this earth? And you have to ask that question creationally. Mm-hmm. And what did Jesus come, as, come to redeem us from? Not only did, did the old covenant order pass away, but remember, Jesus is the second Adam. So you've got to go all the way back to the beginning and what, what were Adam and Eve supposed to do and what were their progeny supposed to do? That's the question we have to ask. Uh, and so just because the old covenant has passed away, everything hasn't passed away because the God, there's a redemptive center to all this of what we have to do. And Christians need to ask that question. If you're a preterist, you have to ask the question, what should I do? How should I then live? In the particulars, how do I do this? And we have to be ready with those, with those answers. I think that's the trouble that I have the most,
0: to be honest with you not just the preterist worldview, the biblical worldview, the Christian worldview, is a lot of the the precepts that Christ himself taught doesn't seem to be followed even by the Christians that claim him. By, By saying things like, are we living? I'll ask you all the question. If you don't mind, just answer with a yes or a no. Do we live now in the kingdom of God? Yes. Yes. Okay, I find the difficulty, uh, which is more theocratic than it is democratic, correct? We have Christ, who is at the right hand of the Father, seated. So we live in a kingdom, and he is our master. He's the one that we follow. So not being a pacifist here, but just by saying it's very difficult for me if we are not living according to the kingdom principles that he taught, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, when he says... Or the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers. And we're absolutely leveling cities with bomb after bomb after bomb. That does not feel like peacemakers to me, but at the same time, if you don't do it, how do you how do you get to peace? It's a struggle. I think of the right to bear arms and our, you know, yeah, I, I can see that and why that they put that in place. We have to remember that Jesus is not an American. Jesus is the master of all. So, from my 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 concern as an American citizen is that yes, we have a biblical worldview, but we cannot, as American citizens, push our worldview on all of the other people that are alive. I mean,
5: am I wrong? Does, let me ask you this: Yes, it, it doesn't every worldview push its worldview on everybody. I don't, think, I don't that think there's any neutrality here. What we, what we have got to understand is the proper jurisdictions for each one of these. When you talk, okay, the, the proper jurisdiction for the civil magistrate in terms of what it is legitimately uh, allowed to do. If, mm-hmm. if the civil magistrate, and the Apostle Paul says in Romans 13, the civil magistrate is the power of the sword, okay, this is a symbol for some sort of enforcement. Well, if you don't have proper limitations as to what the civil magistrate does with that sword, then the civil magistrate uses that sword any way it decides it wants to do. Mm -hmm. So if you can get 51% of the vote to vote for something, you give power to the civil magistrate to do that, and now the civil magistrate has the power of the sword, it can take your money, take your children, send your children off to war and so forth. So- well, what we have to do is to understand exactly what the limitations are on the civil magistrate in terms of its jurisdiction. And we need to do the same thing with family. We need the same thing with education and all these other types of things. But yeah, I mean, this, the, the civil magistrate does have the sword. The Bible says the civil ma- magistrate has the sword. Mm-hmm. Um, but the question we have to ask is, again, what can the civil magistrate do with that sword? And I think there are specific limitations in the Bible that tells us what those are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that's the case. There's an interesting passage and in, um, uh, it's all, all interesting, but it seems like the book of Hebrews, more and more things come up in the book of Hebrews. Um, and the writer to the, the, the epistle of Hebrews is talking about Melchizedek. You all know that, probably all know this story. And then he stops and he says, I can't go on and mention anything more, more about this because you've become what? Dull of hearing. By this time, you should be teachers. Now you need someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And, and but how do you do this? Well, you have to have your senses trained to discern good and evil. And so how do you do that? How do you, how do, you do that? You do it with your husband and wife, like you and Rachel did. You sit down there and you sit, that's what my wife and I do. We, you know, and we talk about these things all, we did it with our children. We do it with, I do it with my grandchildren. You have got family government, self-government, then family government. It's your, our responsibility to educate our children. You can do it at home, or you can do it in loco parentis where you can hire out teachers to help you do this, but you still control the education. But in, And then business, how should a business work? There are principles in the Bible, don't steal, just weights and measures, contracts. You know, et, et all of this is in, all of it's in scripture. Mm-hmm. But we tend to think of government, we think synonymous with politics, and it's not, they're not the same. Government is not synonymous with politics. That's why I wrote God and government, but it's not all about politics. Mm-hmm. We've turned everything over to the state. Because we've given power to the state, and we want the state to do things for us. And think, just think about it right now, how, how much the state does for us. Well, <laughs> in, the name, in the name of doing good for us. <sighs> but think of it. They educate 90% of the children in the United States today, 90%. We could change everything around. If Christians pulled all their kids out of government schools. You change this place in in no time if they were taught the same right thing. But unfortunately, they're not going to be. That's why I say can't change just one thing. Uh, You know, what, you know, you get 51% to vote for taking money from 10% of the population to give it to 30% of the population. Yeah, that's OK. I want to do that. So I'm going to elect people to office that are going to take money from some people and give it to other people. But that's not the way they sell it. So it's, it's, I'm not saying this is easy at all. When you talk about a biblical worldview, it's not. It just isn't. But you can't give up. And, we have the, and just saying we have the time perspective for this because I'm, I'm a, I hate to use the word, I'm a post-millennialist. That's really, I don't really like that word. But I, I understand the implications of what a preterist perspective is and what it means for the world in which we live. Uh, and it's not, it's, it's not easy. It isn't easy. Mm-hmm. To do, it took all, look how long it took to get the type of government that was the envy of the world. I mean, think about it. So, you know, at the end of the 18th century it took that long to get something where you know. I I, I look at some of the name tags here. Uh, you know, we're, we're from all over the. We're from all over the world. Why? Because people thought this place was great. They had something here that no one else had developed anywhere else in the world. And it was fundamentally based upon a, a biblical worldview, even though not every aspect of it was 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 that. Uh, and it's becoming less and less attractive because we have th- we're throwing that stuff off, and Christians have sit back and just, you know, waiting for some end-time event to, to, to rescue them from this place.
3: Well, they fought so hard for the country and put together the Constitution, but they forgot that that's a living document that is to be continued, and we're supposed to be continuing to fight and continuing to build upon it instead of just saying, well, what they did then was good, and we'll have to live with it and let somebody else interpret it the way they want instead of doing like you say and teaching our children and, and fighting for those principles and for continuing the world. As things change, I mean, now we have... Uh, all this technology, this world has changed, and we need to find a way in that technology to raise our children and to be ready for the future. And we need to be futurists as well because we're here, and he's come.
5: Well, I was, when we were up in at your place, and I want you, I want you to look at what we're doing here. How many mic, how many mics do we have <laughs> uh, sitting around here with microphones with electronic equipment over here? And I'm looking. There's a camera up there, and David does live streaming. All, all over the world, hmm. all over the world, yeah. you know, uh, and it, it. I mean, I'm, I'm. What's the problem? You got all this stuff. <laughs> we got all this stuff at our, our our hands. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a book that it came out a number of years ago. How the Jews invented Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It's a terrific book. And why is how Sounds why, incredibly racist. <laughs> <laughs> it was He's written years ago. It yeah. no, wasn't written that many years ago by a Jew. And why did Jews invent Hollywood? You know why? One of the reasons why? Because Christians thought it was evil to get involved in the film industry, plays and so forth and so on, amusements. And so the Jews, the Jews you see, were ostracized from society. They couldn't go into various, into various occupations. There's an interesting movie Gregory Peck stars in. I think it's called Gentleman's Agreement where he he pretends to be Jewish, and he's working on an article about anti-Semitism. And all the years ago, we probably don't see this much anymore, but it was a big, big deal. So the reason that the Jews got involved in, the, in, in Hollywood is because they were ostracized from every place else, and no one else wanted Hollywood, so the Jews go into Hollywood. That's classically been a
2: good thing for the Jews. Jews in this backwards way, when they first came to America, in a lot of parts of Europe, they weren't allowed to own land. So when they came to America, they had trades. They came to America with trades as opposed to a bunch of farmers that moved to America without skills that were farming, didn't have farmland. The Jews came in and set their trades up in America, made money because they came with trades because they were not allowed to own land in a lot of Europe. It's yeah. a weird backwards way that they really
5: came into money. And if you watch those movies from the 30s, there was a finally a, a film code came out. But those movies express a, a more of a biblical worldview than anything you will find today. Some of the finest movies you'll see were produced by you know by by uh, companies that were in fact run by by the Jews. They they understood. They understood what you had to do. You change the culture. They weren't involved in po- politically. Mm-hmm. They changed the culture through enter- through entertainment through film, things that Christians didn't want to have anything to do with. It's I mean it's there's a lot to this that we just we don't technically they still are. Well, yeah. Why not?
0: By they, it doesn't necessarily mean the Hebrew people, but it definitely means whoever is in control of these. You know, yeah. big big entertainment companies. They are
5: shaping our culture. They are, and why? Mm-hmm. Because they decided to do it. Yes, mm-hmm. they dis- they they got involved. Mm-hmm. We you know say we we didn't, but we didn't. Uh, we used to have Harvard and Yale and Princeton and all those institutions. Those guys understood these things, and they gave it away bit by bit. Yeah, but you know, I you anyway. it's I'm, I'm taking well, up too much, also, too much time.
0: The, the, go, Bob, you were about to speak. Go ahead. Jump in.
10: Oh, I was just thinking while Gary was talking, um, he was talking about the Hollywood issue and arts and entertainment. And then another area is, I don't know if everybody here has heard of a guy named um, Vishal Mangawati. Gary, you've, you've oh, heard? yeah. He's yeah, he, he's a good guy. He's got some of the best stuff on YouTube. But I was watching something the other day, and it's, I can't remember the title of the video, but it's on YouTube, it's really good. But another area, and Vishal Mangawati was talking about it, is law and justice, the justices. And he's talking about the courts, all the way from the lower courts up to the Supreme Courts. You don't really see a lot of evangelical Christians filling judicial positions. And when a president has to nominate people for, you know, Supreme Court justices, there's not a great pool of evangelical Christians to look for. And, oh, it's just a fantastic video. And he traces it to the rise of dispensationalism. And, okay, we all understand that we're under grace, not law. And we're not saved by following the law, but I think we all understand how dispensationalism abuses that to the point of antinomianism, where it's just you know the way the way put it puts it is. They almost despised the law, and there was a despisement for law and justice as a field. So evangelical Christians withdrew from that field, law and justice, as a result of the rise of dispensationalism and dispensationalism's distorted view of law and justice, and look where it got us. Now we don't even have evangelical, born-again, spirit-filled believers, for the most part, to even fill these positions. And that's another area you know, you talk about um, preterism and how does it affect how we live and how does it affect our worldview? Well, that is a way it could affect us. Look, law and justice is not a field that Christians have to shy away from. Let's, you know, the younger people, you know, make that your interest and start filling these positions and seek careers in this uh, field. We need good Christian lawyers, we need good Christian judges at every level from the local all the way up to the Supreme Court. But I think that just what Gary was talking about arts and entertainment and then law and justice just so many areas for young born again believers to seek to enter and be involved in where maybe the old, older generations have completely, you know, withdrawn from. So that's just what I was thinking yeah, when we were Vishal, talking about that.
5: Vishal Mangualdi's book, if you haven't if you know oh, if you don't have this book, it's called The Book That Made Your World. And Vishal is from India. And so his perspective is really quite different. He is one of the best storytellers. And if you have young you have young children, uh, grandchildren, this is the, the He's the,
10: fantastic. The, the yeah. chapter
5: on morality, just you get this chapter on morality and the story he tells about the cows and and uh, and and um, in the Netherlands and it's really a terrific book. And he goes through and he explains all of this, how we got to where we are today. Uh, The book that made your world is published by Thomas Nelson. Uh, But you're right. Every field. i ask you this question on the Supreme court. What, what religion is represented more than any other Catholic Catholic Catholic, Roman Catholic, Catholic. Hmm.
8: I think Amy Cohen Barrett was supposed to be a big, even, well, I'll say evangelical, but, uh, a, that the, part to coming you know, to Scalia, the. Scalia, well,
5: who's, 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 died, but uh, you mean, Al, Alito and um, uh, uh, Gorsuch, uh, I don't know what Kavanaugh, I don't know what Kavanaugh is. Uh, and so they're almost all Roman Catholic. Yeah. And you say, oh, it's, it's a conspiracy. You know, they worked hard to get they, to this position, yeah. and, you know, that's what you have to do.
7: Well, interesting about a mile from here is a law school that uh, Pat Robertson found it, and you know, talk about dispensational. But he's got a good law school over Christian there, where lawyers. they're trying to turn out Christian lawyers. I,
8: I got a screenshot of a local pastor of a church that's pretty large, and he is actually was my pastor. And I took a screenshot on, on social media that is a quote of him stating that the key to Christian life is abiding, not striving. So when you when you brought up earlier about what we're telling everybody, that from the dispensational part, at least local to me, they're trying to que- – it seems like they're trying to quell people and, and keep them down from not doing anything and not participating,
2: but just waiting. But that's, I think, what Nietzsche was talking about when he talked about slave
6: ethics. I
5: think. No, no, actually, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's how they, there was a Bible published called the Slave Bible. Have, yes. have you ever heard about this? Yeah. It was kind of like Thomas Jefferson took the, 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 the Gospels and took all the miracles out. Well, this particular Bible, they took out all the passages against slavery because in, in the Bible, man stealing was a capital crime. So they created this Bible and they passed it out to the slaves. And it was, a, you abide in your slavery. You know, this is what God has called you to do. And so mm-hmm. it is a slave. It's a slave mentality. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, see, so you bring up a very good point because, again, with the Christian worldview, yes, we have the Christian worldview. Yes, we're talking about the preterist worldview. But how often, if you if you look in our history, you know, how much have we actually got wrong, and what have we done to people? So I'm really interested to read this book that you're talking about. You know, the book that created our world. Oh, it's, like how yeah. far back does he go? It, uh, I think he covered, he, look like this, natural like all of world
5: history. Like I don't think we, all of world history. But American, no. I think he's pretty. It's pretty it current, does. but it does go back and deal with a lot of the, the the sins of the sins of the church too, as well. I was oh, going to yeah. say because he,
0: the chicken and the egg here is that you know yeah, America, we were fleeing. You know the people were fleeing the church, correct? Weren't they? Am I? Mean, am I wrong? From Holland and everything
5: you well, mean? Well, they were they were fleeing. They were the, the state and the church. Unfortunately, were the jurisdictional the separation thing. weren't that great. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a. Well, even today, you have the. You know, in, in some countries, people pay taxes for, to the. You know, to uphold the church. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, yeah, in the, Germany,
3: it comes out of your paycheck. Yeah. Unless so, you unless you claim atheist, it it goes to whatever religion you put
5: on the form. Right. That's ten percent automatic. So they were trying to separate. The, the, they wow. were trying to separate the jurisdictions.
0: <laughs> Pastor Curtis is like, hey, that might work. <laughs> <laughs>
3: can, can we do that here in Virginia? Yeah. Maybe yeah. just Virginia Beach. I'm good
9: with that. What is this yeah. new tax on my thing? <laughs> BBC. See, that, see
5: that, this is what. see, that's, you bring that point up, and the clergy liked it. Why? Well, they got a benefit mm-hmm. from the state. Yeah. And so exactly. if you get a benefit from the state, guess what you probably aren't going to do? criticize the state mm-hmm. so the state's willing to pay the pay a tax essentially pay well you, everyone else is going to pay a tax to keep the, the church quiet hmm. This is in china the china china has state churches and they don't say anything against the state and you have to nobody does to be fair you know, right, now. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a when we were over there my wife and i were over there a number uh, i forget how many years ago it was and uh, uh, it was amazing how much freedom there was. We went all over the country visiting with these small churches and homes and so forth and so on. There a great deal of freedom over there. And then the door shut. Hopefully it wasn't because I was there. But, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, look, America's made huge, huge uh, mistakes, very sinful, immoral things. Slavery was one of them. The way we treated what is now called Native Americans— Uh, I'm reading a a biography of Jim Thorpe. I don't know if you know who Jim Thorpe was. Oh, yes. Uh, And uh, what we did to the Native Americans, horrible, horrible thing to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, yeah, it's not, you've got to know what to do in order to deal with these issues. You just can't go in there and use some sort of natural law perspective, because the natural law perspective says some people are born slaves, that, you go all the way back to Aristotle. Aristotle and, the, and Aristotle believed that the people, there were certain people who were just born slaves. They were that was their nature to be to be slaves. Mm-hmm. And if you study the history of the church, especially the Roman Catholic Church, they were Aristotelian in terms of cosmology and as well as ethics. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. and so, you see
6: that at Islam too. I mean, everyone else is to be a slave to be taxed. Sharia law is going to rule. The Talmud. Is full of that too gentiles don't even have a soul they're just beasts Mm -hmm. Uh and they're they're going to be in in uh, the talmudic paradise on earth each jew is going to have like 2700 gentile slaves i mean you know we separated from england for religious reasons but the main reason was the colonies started printing their they had their own monetary system and it wasn't necessarily just tax on tea. It was when we started having our own currency that became an issue.
11: Mm-hmm.
6: And, you know, the bigger picture here, not conspiracy theories or anything like that, but, you know, the globalists are trying to roll out a blockchain. One world currency. I was about to
0: bring that up. And of course, don't... you
6: can't talk about that in a dispensational system because you know oh, where their yeah. minds are going. Yeah. Yeah. But we have to <laughs> be fighting. We have to know our enemy. And humanism takes all kinds of different forms Marxism, communism, fascism, uh-huh. socialism. But there are other people, even above that, that know how to play these systems against each other to so, so roll out something much bigger, which, you know, I focus on the Great Reset. I mean, that's where I'm studying right now. I'm chewing on the bone, I'm It'll chewing work. on the meat and spitting out the bones. But I'm looking yeah. at Klaus Schwab. I'm looking at Biden. I'm looking at, you know, the, the language that these guys are using. And this Democrat Party isn't your Kennedy party no. anymore. They've been taken no. over by a, a totally different beast. <laughs> all right. It's this globalist thing.
5: Who's, and who, the, the Schwabs right hand right hand man Har- Harari yeah yeah, yeah you, you he, want to talk about an evil, yeah. evil evil guy
12: Oh my goodness I got all kinds
5: <laughs> of quotes from him this, oh, yeah. this, I mean he's Mike is right this mm-hmm. this is this is far beyond ideologies that we're used to uh, <laughs> and you, and he's also right is if you bring this stuff up we told you, you know, it's the mark of the beast. Right, and it's right around the corner, and all that sort of the thing. The so, and see what they've six,
12: done six, is six, they've six. they've changed language, and they've done it so slowly. Yeah,
2: I think, fell. Yeah, thank you. They've
12: changed language, and they've done it so slowly through our education system over time. Yep. And they yeah. have changed. I read a book, "American Betrayal" by Diana West. It's a great history book that debunks everything we thought that we did great in World War One and World War II, and makes you go, Oh, we didn't actually win those wars.
6: <laughs> well, so communism kind of went, yeah, communism kind of Russia won those kind of wars. Of won World War II. Yeah,
12: <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, we have spent, I think, when COVID came out, I, I don't think I know when COVID came out, we had already gone through um, his lecture, which was the basis for. His book, Armageddon Deception. And that was when we really started, really waking ourselves up Mm -hmm. to what was going on. We had already done that before COVID came out. And then when COVID came out, we really started working on our children and trying to wake our children up. And at this point, we're homeschooling our six year old. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I have gone back and apologized to my four kids. And I'm like, guys, I am so sorry. Everything you have learned in school is a lie well, and we're going to have them, yeah. to go back and we're going to have to relearn my oldest is in nursing school and she sees she sees the globalist agenda in all of their main points that they're supposed to learn in nursing school yeah my second is wanting to be a constitutional lawyer i'm like all right bud we're gonna have to relearn some stuff and you're <laughs> gonna have to do a lot of self-study
0: I was very surprised when I went to the World Economic Forum and, and read that you will own nothing and be happy about it. I was yeah, like, that's, wow, you actually put that out. That's kind of scary. They're actually. not in the
6: secret anymore. Like 20, no. 20 30 years ago, <laughs> yeah. you'd watch the Clintons and you'd watch royalty go into this hotel and they would deny that there's even a meeting in Davos, Switzerland. That this that, that this uh, organization even existed. You were just a conspiracy theory. Now it's to the point where they're televising. And like you said, Klaus Schwab is like, you know, then, we have half the cabinets of all the governments in the world right now. We have penetrated them. Yep. That's an exact quote. Yep. You you will own nothing, and you'll be happy. Private. Water. And you'll and you'll eat bugs. Yeah. I mean, Has these are. Heard- you know it's yeah. you listen this to is Russell a Bray. weird
2: this is a weird place where people on the left actually agree with you uh, because it started it started in the 90s with like nafta and cafta and all that stuff in that and and uh which i don't know maybe it somehow helped the average income of the world but didn't do much for like the U S or a lot of other first world nations, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was obviously a problem. And there's actually a lot of people, there's a lot of things I've heard here today that I'm just like biting my tongue, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of people on the left that actually completely agree with you about the globalization stuff. So. Yeah.
6: Yeah. Cause there, there's a lot of countries in the world right now looking at us as, as their, their last hope yeah. they've already surrendered their second, I mean, they have no second amendment. They haven't got no guns. They've got no way, and they're looking at us. You but know, one of the biggest the, things we gave up with was COVID no like you said.
12: was our First Amendment. We let them shut our churches down.
7: Oh yeah, not this church. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't
12: believe it. I, I was like, "Oh my gosh, guys, that's our First Amendment, right?" And you're going to let them shut you down? You're going to force them was to there, put
2: this muzzle on was, your face? So were people getting arrested if they had
12: church? Some of them Sometimes were fine. Yeah, yes, yes some yeah, of them, absolutely. yes, in absolutely. Think yeah. Back to the news. Yeah.
5: California did. Yeah. Remember the Canadian Polish? Right. Yeah. Yeah. showing up. Church yes. services. Yeah. Yeah.
7: yeah. Well, a pastor was arrested in Florida and put in jail
6: during COVID.
5: I, again, I, I give John MacArthur credit. He he kept his church open. Oh yeah
6: one pastor even had a church service kind of like a drive-through movie theater he had everyone in their cars and he got in and he was out preaching and I still got arrested yes i mean this was just giving tyrants power and we got to see who had some serious power trips
0: yeah it was definitely a very interesting <laughs> experiment you know and and so I'm I'm sorry to be pulling you away from the Great Reset. We'll have an entire episode on that next
3: time. <laughs> 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 but I wanted to get
0: back to this, uh, to this biblical worldview. And so I, I'm just going to go ahead and remind you. So I was raised in an atheist household. <laughs> and so all of this kind of talk scared the living hell out of my family, because it felt like everybody that was religious was going to tell us how we had to live our lives. We had to live according to the moralities that were being placed upon us because of, the, of whatever God it was that you served. You've got a book, you believe what your God said, and by, by and large, I have to do whatever your God says. And when I see people get that power, that's the fear that wells up inside me. Now, when I became a believer, then now my worldview, of course, is coming from the Christ worldview, but I still have a mom that's an atheist. Okay, So when I have, her, when I have these discussions with her, I struggle. You gotta understand it terrifies her. What are you going to do with your your holiness that you guys supposedly have? You guys can't even get along with each other. You're gonna tell me what I've got to do with my life. You guys can't even handle this. You know, I've already seen what happens when you get a majority. We saw what happens. You burn the world down. That's that's my mom being a little bit, you know, harder. So How do we move forward? How now do we live? How do we communicate with those that do not believe, as well as believers? We can't even get predators in the same room without starting to yell and scream. I've heard it. By the way, I've had enough poo flinging on my website and on my Facebook page, so stop Christians that are throwing poop on my wall. Isn't that stupid? I've talked about it so many times. Do you think that hurt my feelings, Andy?
2: <laughs> no, I'm, he, he I, barely remembers it. They're throwing yeah. poop on your wall? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're...
7: they're, they're the little me. memes. A
0: little meme. metaphor. <laughs> <Metaphorically>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's actually an actual that. image. <laughs> it's an image on a... A picture. Uh, it's a picture that's been sent, right? I've seen a lot of... I haven't seen that one. I, I, I
11: guess... <laughs> I don't think I, don't I don't want, want to see that that mean I it. I'll
0: tell you what I'll do after this meeting. Whenever I promoted you on my show, I got more poop than anything. And you want to know why? Because all I said within that was a man that stood for his Christian principles and is trying to tell people what to do. You're a fascist. (laughs) Poop, poop. You're a fascist. (laughs) Now, I'm not being a fascist. I just mentioned one man. They may not even know who you are. But it's because I put an ad out and I wanted people to come in. They might know. This is
5: always an interesting argument that people raise. And the people who generally raise that issue don't have a basis on which to criticize anything. Yeah. Look, if there is no God. I mean, even Andy said that to me. He's like, ah,
0: I wouldn't even listen to those guys. Uh,
5: Yeah. Uh, No,
2: they just. Yeah, they just they need that the they need the uh emotional excitement that that provides them. That's what they're there for. They're there Boy, for it's the, working. It's working so good on yeah, me. Yeah, they're there I'm for tired the, of it. Yeah, they're there for the dopamine rush. That's all they're there for. Yeah. Well, they just
5: ah, they, somehow they get off on that. That's so here's what they want. The, here's the th- here's the thing. When we argue about something, yeah. good or bad, there is an ethical norm by which we try to pull people back to in that argument. Do not you think that's not that the way it ought do? to be. You mean Christians? Too? Yeah, we, okay. there is one. First, of all, love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. you know your words, your tongue, all that sort. There, there, there is a there is a moral basis in order to do that, and we should do. And I am very careful when I when I debate on online with something. I stay away from all ad hominem arguments. I just deal. What does it say? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. People just need to learn how to do that. Uh, but there's a worldview out there, there's a, a, a rising atheist worldview out there, that the, the, any, anytime they bring up these types of issues, my question is, based upon what within your worldview can you account for these types of things? I, I've been working on a book for a number of years, I just can't get it finished getting it complete, it's called, Why It Might Be Okay to Eat Your Neighbor?, If 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 atheism. Great title. (laughs) 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 That'll get for years. If (laughs) if atheism is right, can anything be wrong? And all I do in one of these chapters, all I do is quote atheists, basically atheistic evolutionists on their system. These are they. This is what they believe. If you read this, the Dawkins quotation that you know, we are we are simply DNA. And our DNA neither knows nor cares. We just dance to its music. There is no evil and there is no good. I mean, this is Dawkins saying that. And yet at the same time as Dawkins says that, he also comes back and says, basically the Christian worldview is something we need because it has a moral base. And I like that moral, much of that moral base. But how does one account for the criticism? We, we sit here... And if somebody does something here that we believe is morally wrong, we point them to at least a standard by saying, look, the, the slavery issue. The slavery issue is Exodus chapter 21 says man-stealing was wrong and it was a capital crime. Now, if, if it was, would it have been for the, the, the Jews to stand up and say, this is, this is this, we believe this is God's law, this is a standard of God's law, We believe stealing people from other countries and turning them into slaves is 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 immoral. And if you're if you don't you don't have any belief in God or anything like that, said, look, you can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me what you can't bring that ethic into me. I believe I believe stealing people from other countries and turning them into slaves is natural. There was a book that came out a number of years ago by two PhDs. uh, I think the book was published by MIT Press. And it's called The Natural History of Rape. So it uses the evolutionary model to say there was a time when rape was natural. We got here, according to their view, by rape. <laughs> because the, well, you know, this, you know what happens in the, in the wild. I mean, right. there's no, you know. Uh, I don't uh, know that yeah, that's a moral justification yeah. of it. I just think it's a statement of fact well if it's a statement of fact and there's no moral or immoral justification, that statement of fact then becomes applicable. You can do it.
2: No, no, I don't Why see not? that. That does not feel logical. Just to say well, to say somebody murders is not to say that they should have or r- I agree with it. No. There's no there's no line between the In An evolutionary worldview,
5: there's no such thing as murder.
2: There's no murder in an evolutionary worldview. You can't inflict that on other people's worldview. You can't tell. You can't say that. You can't sure, tell well, other people what they believe. I'm, I'm but using, I, I mean, I'm that's using, what you're doing. You're I'm just using, saying. You're I'm, saying this is. You're saying people that believe this believe this. What if it's not true? What if they don't?
5: I'm How? just. I'm just taking the. I'm taking the ethical assumptions of what what atheist evolutionists say about their worldview, and I'm trying to apply it consistently. Without them borrowing moral capital, it's a lot of slippery slope arguments. I don't frankly, think so, no. No. it's a lot of slope because arguments because look at the justification for these types of things. People have actually justified their behavior based upon that assumption.
2: Well, yeah, you you talk to the right jerk and they'll justify their any behavior. I mean, has, still one has to account again. You can't blanket that across
5: a, a couple, you know, million people or whatever. One must you be know. able to account. Ultimately, account for the operating assumptions of their worldview, and that includes the moral basis of that worldview. That is, that is the to me that is the key of of the whole argument today. And this is what's happening with the whole globalist stuff with these guys. This this what's, this, what's his last name? Is it Harari? Harari. Is it Harari. just a homosexual atheist? And he is applying that worldview. Within this this whole system, and no no one's attacking this guy on the basis of this. They're offering justification for it based upon his. He is a depopulationist of enormous, enormous authority in terms of what's going on today. And you have to ask yourself the question, why not? Within the context of his worldview, why not? I think I just figured out the next book that Pete and Rachel should write. <laughs> you over, do you think
0: you could simplify this busy, for yeah. us? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 10 years, it, it'll pop up, up, up.
8: <laughs>
0: <laughs> as long as it has yeah, pictures. Honestly, yeah, you know, honestly, <laughs> with,
10: with illustrations and yeah, pictures yeah, and pictures, yeah. it's yeah, very yeah. difficult.
0: It's very, you know, and yeah, I did interject humor because I don't want to get into a giant argument about this. I just feel like it's it's difficult for people like Andy, for people like my mom, for people like to to adopt these views that are being, they feel like are being thrust upon them. Looks like a lot of straw men to me.
2: I, I know. That's what I it, mean, looks that, like. my mom it looks like. looks like a ton of straw I, men to me. But I'm like, let's pick the worst example of a human we can find, and then let's beat them up because it's easy. You can always...
5: It's so easy to do that. That's what, 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 so much point, news is that. The point is one has to account for things... Based upon the operating assumptions of that worldview, without borrowing outside assumptions from other worldviews. So if we, if you start, I'll go all the way back to the beginning of, of the of, of life emerging from you know this 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 ooh, whatever the case might be, still having to account for where all that ooze came from in the first place. I mean, and you gotta, the, but
2: that's the thing. God, God does not solve the problem of where did it start. It just uh, doesn't.
5: That, that is that. That is the that is the issue. Okay, God then, is the fact, the starting point with everything.
2: Right. For well, everything. How can that be any? How is that any more difficult to believe than the universe just is? Because God just is. It's the same answer. I don't understand how that's a more gratifying answer. There's still it not, no. There's still no origin.
5: Because you and I and everyone in here is 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 not an. Um, well, I don't want to say accidental. I want to say personal, we are personal beings. You know, you, you know, you can have a universe. Let's say for for example that the universe is eternal. Uh, we, you can't get personality. You can't get moral ethics. You cannot go into the DNA of an individual and determine what is that's defined, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not rape in any of the DNA of anybody. You're not going to find it within, in this. So therefore, where, did, where, is that, where is that foundational principle of moral ethics found? It's in a person. It's not within the ma- in matter itself. You have to account for those, those things. It's in the function of a group. based on what? Is to who's the benefit to the morality? of who's morality? morality, There's morality 40 people that. in here. 40 people killing jews put your hand up if you think killing jews is okay 21% say yes <laughs> well you know what what is the basis of morality is it the majority of people i mean that i mean that's that is a, vox populi, vox dei. I think it's, the voice of the people is the voice of God. Well, that's
2: how we're basing things now. is
8: exactly. based on the majority of people.
5: Yeah.
2: I think it's very simply do unto do unto others. But so, where does that but come where from? Does that come from? It's the Bible. You're <laughs> I mean, it's the wording from the Bible. But, but you don't
5: think that idea existed before Jews? Why should I just? I could, it was you like no, but, sh- but ultimately, ultimately, I look. I I'm, you and I were agreeing on that, but ultimately. Who says so? There's an interesting art- article by Arthur Leff. Yeah. You gotta, you, online, it's available online. Arthur Leff, L-E-F-F. And it's a long article, but you don't need to read the whole thing. All you have to do is read like the first two paragraphs and the last two paragraphs by Arthur Leff. And he's, he's a, he was an atheist. And he's dealing with this argument that we're having the argument in the morality small letter small letter a he deals with this argument in great detail and he he pretty much lays it out he found fault with his own position because he couldn't account within the confines of his own position what he wanted to believe and so that's why you know we talked a little bit about greg bonson not too long ago it's force in the antithesis having people live consistently with their operating assumptions and accounting for those operating assumptions. That's what this this, was this whole argument is all about. I, I guess, but
2: I've just never had the urge to kill anybody, so I haven't needed somebody to tell me not to.
6: Well, okay, for, so you for, agree that Harari is an evil man, okay? And you're saying some leftists believe that. So what if some of these atheists, these scientists, the scientism... Um, technocrats they come in here and they want to take away your property that that house is no longer your house that property is no longer your property My Wife is no longer your wife we're taking her in slavery it, yeah i mean i mean so again that's a slippery know, slope but argument but wait a second like they're a an atheist they're an atheist and you're an atheist so how how tell me how you're going to argue against harari about what he's doing like, is wrong? why
10: is that wrong
2: why is that wrong? why is that wrong Based on what? Oh, I don't know. If I we're mean, all chance,
6: if it's all I, just
2: chance, I, I don't, I don't know that you need to be able to prove that's wrong in order to not like it. Well, if somebody wants. If, like, if there's, a th- good, I bo- mean, there's That's, a, a, book that that's ca- a. It's an interesting academic question, but it doesn't being a. You don't need to be able to understand why that's wrong in order to not like it or to fight against well, it.
5: I, w- I would suggest that you pick up a book by I forget the author's name, but it's called the Black. Book of, the Black Book of Communism. Uh-huh. Black Book of Communism. 100 million people under communism died in the 20th century. This isn't written by a yeah. Christian or anything no, like sure. that, 100 yeah. million. You know, hey, we don't have to, I don't have to account for yeah. this. Okay. I, I, you know, this is what we decided to do, and we did it.
9: Bunch of blobs
5: of flesh. They have no... So, anyway, uh, we've probably gotten off a little off topic here, but... Well, uh,
0: no, I mean, yeah. You know, I said no chaotic free-for-all, so... <laughs> 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 what do you think about that? No, but... I'm here to have fun. I mean, are you enjoying it? Uh, this is my fun. For me, for me, you know, we're talking about the preterist worldview and its effect on society. And we just had this moment right here in this room that is happening millions of times on social media. It, people are arguing these points constantly. Yeah. It's like nothing can actually ever really get done, it feels. You know? Yeah. We never quite get there there's always something that's preventing us to from from really stepping out. Maybe and doing the
2: problem is that there is no obvious answer to these questions, otherwise we'd be, we'd have been done having these questions thousands of years ago.
0: Yeah, well, and <laughs> that is the position by the way that my mom when I was sitting I'm a little boy sitting down in the floor and she's saying that, why did he have to make it like this then? Why do we have to
2: have all these arguments? Why can't Well, it's not even it's not even about Religion. That, I mean, I'm not trying to bring it there. I'm just saying. Oh, that's if where these she was questions had sensible answers that we could all agree on, we'd have just agreed on them forever ago. Mm-hmm. This conversation, these conversations would be long over. There's been a lot of smart people way before us. Yeah. You know, you don't need technology to talk about morality. Well, but see, that's what always leads me back to Christ,
0: Andy. Oh, I, I don't. That, that's what leads me to Christ. Forget all these other people and all this other stuff and all these words. His words are eternal to me. They lit up my life. I listened to him talk about loving and forgiving somebody that was nailing him to a board. You, you, you know my position on no, Jesus. Yeah. I know. I know. I just, I'm just saying that for me, this is, we're talking about a preterist, but okay, that's past. That means that everything that Jesus did already happened. And now we're in his kingdom. Like That's the world we live in. All your other nations and governments and everything that you got are in existence, but we are part of a kingdom. So, why I always keep coming back to Christ is that He, and I'm sorry if I don't care if you think I'm a hippie guru, He loved His enemy because I was His enemy. I remember being His enemy, and I remember His love overcoming me. And then all of a sudden, I started loving my own enemy. I didn't know what to do with myself, I didn't understand it. It's odd to love
2: somebody that hates you. For the, for the room, I absolutely agree with all of this. And and basically, most of what Jesus said, I just...
0: No, I know. I understand. I, yeah. It's sometimes that we get so heavy-handed because of the moral issues and everything to go with it. But for me, when, when you can see it, when Christ is going to the cross, when he's talking to the women, don't weep for me. You know what? This is what's coming. He's telling them, this is what's coming to you. The mountains are going to fall on you. I'm, he's at the cross. They're nailing him. And he he looks around. And he's got the apostate people that are right there. They're just making sure they're using the system to kill him. And he's still. There's a Roman soldier that recognized that he was the son of God. On the way going up the hill of Golgotha, there were two thieves that were behind him that could have been set free with Barabbas, but they weren't. Barabbas was selected. Those two ended up going to their death that day. And guess what? They were both yelling and screaming at him on the way. But before the end of the day, before it was done, one of them saw a king. Do you know? There was something about Christ that was so unique. And I feel like we're talking about the wrong stuff. We've got to love one another. We've got to love the enemies that are trying to nail us to boards. We've got to remember that those that are spitting on us, even when they're a thief and we know that they're wrong, what did he say to his other thief when he looked at him? He said, we're guilty of what we did and this man did nothing wrong. But he saw this little tiny Jewish man with a crown of thorns bleeding on a cross. What did he see? He didn't see a criminal. He saw a king. And that's the king that I serve. This little beaten, battered man on a cross. That's what I see. But guess what? He's no longer on that cross. I don't go there anymore. That was done with. Now he's at the right hand of the father. That's the kingdom in which I live. I don't want to fight with atheists anymore. If you don't want to believe it in them, fine. But I'm not going to hurt you because you don't. I'm going to invite you to understand that the love that's been given to me in the midst of my life that I was raised in, I'm going to invite you to it, but I'm not going to force you to it because Christ never forced me to it. He didn't. Regardless, we can call it Calvinism, five point and we can call it Arminianism. We call it whatever you want. I felt led. I answered. You call it whatever you want.
6: He... he... He, drew, he dragged you. He dragged <laughs> he you. He really
0: you did. That's I'm not, a, it,
5: it, it, and that's cool. totally
0: fine. I'm okay with that. Not according to Welchianism, but I'm okay with
5: that. <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's the, this, that is, in fact, what makes this whole thing work. Because it's not something from the outside in that works. It's from the inside out that works. And Christianity is the only, no, there's nothing else that can do that or have there that. There is nothing else like there, it. Exactly. Nothing and, else. In John 6, Jesus was essentially dealing with this issue, and everybody walked away. And then Jesus says to Peter, what about you? And his answer, unsatisfactory yeah. in one respect. Where am I going? Where else am I going to go? Where am I going to go? And there is, that's the point. There isn't any other place to go. hmm uh, and so, yeah, you laid out exactly the redemptive nature of Jesus Christ and what it does for people. I yes. mean, I mean, I'm not—we've talk- heard I'm, it all day, right? I'm not going to tell you my—I mean, my background. I'm not very proud of it, but I'm a completely different person, yes. you know from from it all. Now, I do treat people differently, um, and it, sometimes it's hard to do. But I, my—the point is, I have a, I have an unchanging frame of reference that I am constantly pulled back to as to how I, I am the problem, essentially. You aren't the problem. I'm the problem in terms of the way I, I live my life and respond, respond to people. Yeah. And that's something we have to learn. And, but at the same time, we have to understand that we live in a very, we live in a sinful world. I mean, the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter you know, 16, he's dragged before the Roman authorities. They're, they're beaten. And the Apostle Paul... Uh, j- j- just didn't uh, you know uh, uh, abide? He was striving. He actually called the f- the the, the um, political representatives on the carpet and said, "We we refuse to be let out of here quietly. We want a public declaration of an apology, if you will, the way that we were mistreated." Mm-hmm. So the apostle Paul, in loving his enemies, because he preached. He preached the gospel to one of the soldiers and so forth and so on at the same time stood up for his faith in terms of the political establishment of the day he did it did it twice yes where he appeals to his roman citizenship later on and i 100 agree and i admire you for what you do don't ever take me wrong on
0: that i have yeah. no problem with that i just feel like if we start to if we start to overpower them you know much like the nazi state Changing the people and giving them all the goods, and all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh yeah, and this is great, and they totally turn a blind eye to what's happening to this entire race of people and the gypsies and the homosexuals and what they're doing to them.
5: Yeah, that's what, Yeah, you can't turn a blind eye because you're economically doing better. Exactly. That's that. That's but that's the whole ball of wax. You right. Know, I don't care. There's no distinction in the. There's no distinction in the Bible about how. A non-Jew was to be treated in terms of just weights and measures. Mm-hmm. There's, it's, not, it's not just just weights and measures for the Jews. It's just weights and measures for everybody. Sure, anybody who came into Israel was under the same protections of the law, and none of them, not one person, was forced to become a Jew. They, no, no, there was no forced compliance to. You didn't have to go to. You didn't have to go to you know, sacrifices. You didn't have to do any of that. Right you were under the same protections as everyone else. You could do business in Israel with a Jew, and you were protected just like a Jew. And if you were brought before the the the, the, the courts in terms of, of that, you would be treated the same way as a Jew was. Sure, so, but
0: in Christ's time, that wasn't the case, which is why he went into the temple and he turned the tables over, because they were in the Gentile court, and they were robbing from the Gentiles. That was the idea that a religious Apostate state was taking advantage of the people that didn't actually that actually yeah. wanted to believe what they were supposed to be teaching.
5: Who who is Jesus more critical of in the Gospels? The Jews, the religious leaders of the day. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, apostates. Yeah. Yeah. The apostate nation of
6: Israel, because yeah. they were not ruling righteously. And in Proverbs right. yeah. and in and in the yeah. Psalms, we see relentlessly the righteous rejoice when the rulers and the judges are righteous. Well, yeah. that's why they had But him they killed. mourn when the wicked. And just like Gary said, there is no neutrality here. Right. Now, you can love we can love atheists, all right, and we can't force them to trust in Christ. But when it comes to just law and people who are making law, I mean, I don't Mm -hmm. want to live under unjust law. I don't want to, you know, have that chaos imposed upon my family. That that just
0: makes a scary argument. It depends on what laws you're talking about. And that we, we they start getting divided and
5: you know, when people are, talk about love, you're supposed to love, you're supposed to you love your neighbor. Yeah. How do you know you're loving your neighbor? Right. How do you? Yeah. How do exactly. you know? How do you really know? Well, you feel. It's interesting. Romans 13. Apostle Paul defines what it means to love your neighbor. You know what he uses to do that? Thou shalt not steal. Mm-hmm. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, the they law. shall not. Per, per, the, the law. Yeah. In, in, yeah. in uh, first, no, first. You're right. First Timothy one. The law is good, here's the caveat, if it's used lawfully, kind of, you know, how do you know when you're using the law lawfully by the law? And look, every system, your atheist mother, I mean, we could, you could turn that around to atheist systems in, you know, uh, during communism or Adolf Hitler and so forth and so on. What gives you the right to do what you're doing?
8: Mm -hmm.
5: Well, Every position, every, every authority, ultimately, somebody is telling someone else what to do. The 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 the, the uh, leftists who support abortion on demand and, and and force people into compliance to believe a certain thing about transgenderism and homosexuality. That's being forced. That's being forced on almost everybody. The way the courts are right now. You could lose your job because you just disagree with that position today. I don't hear leftists comp- fighting against that, and he probably would. He said I don't I don't believe that either. I don't think people should be lose their job because they believe a certain way. But every, every law is an imposition of somebody's every every law is an imposition of somebody's view of morality. Everybody's is. It's I mean, but when are when is your view, your personal view? when
2: is your personal view like? an imposition on somebody else. Well, personal view is just that right? a
5: personal view.
2: Right, but it can it can be a problem sh- for someone else. So I, that makes it like an actual sh- problem. Yeah. I don't mean like kind of offensive. I mean, your personal view, depending on how you act upon it, can be a real problem for somebody else, not it, like it, an offense. But why right? does
9: it matter if we're just all a bunch of accidental know, things? Man. What, what, what stops me from wanting like- to kill somebody and eat them? Why is that wrong? Oh, and sorry. If you, and if you I just, disagree... I,
2: I, sorry, we just jumped subjects. What? Well, no, I'm I'm just saying, if if, if
9: based on atheism, the world is basically just an accident. Okay. So if we're just accidental mounds of flesh, why is it wrong for me to kill somebody and eat them? And if you disagree with me and I kill you, why is that wrong? There is like no it. standard of morality that says what I'm doing is wrong. But, you but may where think did that, where I, I did I the
2: standard of morality for religion come from? It got handed down from God. I but mean, that's the thing; it came like, from you it somewhere. to me. Romans one. To so, me, all that means is that some dude wrote it down okay,
9: somewhere, you, and then that, you, and you guys agree paid. with
2: that dude. Right. That's but, all I hear of. Just like well, exactly,
9: yeah. But but which is better off? One that just says go kill people, or one that says no, you shouldn't go. No, but one doesn't
2: say that. You're making that up. It logically, say go, go. logically. Nobody, nobody, nobody says that. Look, because you have the physical ability to do a thing, Mike makes it, right. So why is that wrong? Because you have the physical ability to do a thing, nobody says that you should. But I, don't, who says I don't understand I where you're making that logical. But joke. why shouldn't I? I, if I, I want to do it, I want to kill do. Try killing somebody in here and see what everybody else does.
9: But that's because, well, that's because we're a of Christian. It's not
2: going <laughs> <laughs> well, it to work for you.
0: Well, if everybody wanted to kill it, somebody else, is,
2: though. But it is like, do well, you really think everybody needs to be told to not murder? Do you think that little of human? No,
5: but that, no. that's that's a very that's a very good question. Don't, you don't, why, Most why
2: people it, do not need to be told Why that. is that?
5: Because they've been brought
9: up with the moral system. No, no, it's not. It's not natural. There was
2: a taboo against murder before. Before there were jews why i I'd, I'd say it was societal pressure i'm not sure maybe it is genetic
5: i think because god god literally built it into our into our character yeah but it
2: ha but it, but it existed well okay i agree that it's kind of built into the character like i just don't agree with why it's built into the character but we agree that it's probably in there all right well i'm gonna I'm
0: gonna pull the plug on that one, guys. <laughs> yeah. We are we easy keep argument. We no, can no, solve this. Can't. Give us
2: another ten minutes.
0: We'll this get has this been done. Deba- yeah, this has if been he would stop
9: us, this, this debate
0: would be over. We'd, write, we'd
9: have
2: this solved <laughs> for fuck. sure. Yeah. That's why we
0: haven't gotten anywhere in a thousand years.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was rich. I I
0: I'm gonna <laughs> not this I'm Rick. gonna eat some shrimp here in a little while. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited about that. So I you don't, guys could love me
2: right? Yeah.
0: See, that's
2: what's great. That's what's great about. And so does God. That's the.
9: Yeah. <laughs> me, and
2: so do i that's that's the
9: fortunate let me go back thing about to the being cultural an real question
7: here you know we're we're dealing with preterism in the culture i think one of the big problems here the dispensationalism has so much power today is so predominant today is because the church is not teaching the bible mm. christians don't know the bible they they know a system that they could never defend I taught dispensationalism and when I taught it, I'd scratch my head the whole time. I'm like, how do they ever get this? I'm teaching it and I don't know how. I got the chart and I see it, but the scriptures don't line up with anything in there. Like and Rachel so it's said. so confusing. And so the church today has abandoned teaching. Nobody goes through the Bible anymore. They got poems and they got three points and a show and lights and smoke and all this stuff. And, puppets and, and dancing. So Christians are ignorant. And so until they understand the truth of the Bible, we can't go anywhere. So I think that's our cultural mandate. Get them into the Word of God. Get Christians to read the Bible to start with. Because I mean, most Christians don't even read their Bibles. Uh, You don't know how many people I've met that, you know, pastors never read the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how do you teach something you don't even know parts in it? You know, you don't know what that part says could contradict what you're saying. So, you know, read your Bible. It's just a simple thing, but that's where we have to start. And then we have to learn what it says so we can how are we going to live it if we don't even understand it? We don't mm-hmm. know what it's to do. And that's where the failing comes in. You know, we're not going through it, so we don't know what we're called to even do.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, hey, you basically just gave the entire creed of our podcast. Loved it. Yeah, it was
2: nice. Bring it back, man. Yeah, Bring that's it back. What we, say, you
0: know, like, we say we want to unlearn everything that we learned incorrectly and we want to relearn according to what the scriptures say to the best of our ability. So pick
3: up your Bible and read it and ask questions. Amen. Well, and know, remember I, was- I,
1: have, I have personally, you know, along my journey, asked questions. You know, when someone gives you scripture or or gives you an example, and you say, "Okay, well, where is that?" And I have consistently had people say, "Well, isn't it in the Bible?" And I say, "Isn't that what I'm asking you?" You know, you t- I'm asking you for the direction of the evidence in the Bible, and your response to me is, "Well, I think I've heard it that it was in the Bible somewhere." And, and consistently, and, and I'm asking people who, you know, I'm looking to them because to my understanding, they've had a lifetime in that Bible under preaching. And it seems consistently to me what they've done, they've went inside of a church, they've sat down with their Bible, they've opened it, they've followed it along. If it's a church that actually does that, I've been in churches that people don't bring their Bibles in, maybe scriptures on the wall, maybe it's not. And somebody gets up there, reads it to you, tells you what you're supposed to think, and you walk out the door and you've done your good deed.
3: Well, that's what I like about something like this is Gary will say something and I have to go. I have to write things down on my phone. I'm not texting people. I'm writing stuff Make down. I got to look Make at that book yes. checking his or Facebook. David says something or Bob <laughs> or somebody here saying something. And, and, and even when Andy says something, and I'm like, okay... I want to know why he thinks that way. So I'm either yeah, going to have to ask him Andy. a question. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: uh. And even Andy, too. <laughs> well, I, didn't
3: mention, I don't remember mentioning your name, pal.
7: The problem with that is most churches do not like people asking questions. They don't. They consider them troublemakers, yep. and they're like, this is just what we say if you don't like that. When someone comes here from a Baptist church, I can always tell because at the end I always open it up for questions, and they're like freaking out, like "What? We're allowed to ask questions? You know, that's that's weird we to, to, them, to them, you know, because, because they Jerry don't
0: said that. Hey, they ask questions about <laughs> the altar call.
7: They
10: do. they have the altar call,
7: but really, end. if, if, if the you're questions. the kind of person These that are if you're yeah, the right. kind of person that asks questions, you're going to find yourself outside the organized church because they don't like that. They just don't. Why I'm not in an organized should, church
8: <laughs> should be. We've talked a little bit about. Our preterism and, and how we and you can look online if you're any group and you see the disorganization, you see the questions and sort of the bickering and the everybody gets dogmatic about their view and then what they think. Um, I guess I would ask the panel, do you feel that preterism should be a denomination at some point?
2: They, they, they for the rate, right, this is a podcast they are <laughs> they' are basically mostly shaking their head. Because there no. is no organization to some extent.
5: We don't want you don't want an organization. Well, I, I get the point, and we all. It
8: seems that in, in, in right now in our, our world life that individualism is not celebrated to some extent unless you're from a leftist view. But it seems that a group of people seem to do better than individuals. And right now, most of the time, at least in when I became new to it and walked into that room of preterism, that it was completely all over the board. It was everybody. If preterism
7: was a denomination, there would be 50 of them. There's so many splinter groups within this movement. Yeah, they're just just
6: Christians. Let me me answer this. Um, So, pretty much all of the differences that are in preterism, I see in futurism. All right. right? Hang on. Whether it's disagreements on Genesis 1 through 3, Mm -hmm. whether it's Church of Christ, whether it's Arminianism and Calvinism, whether it's open theism, universalism or universalism. universalism I mean yeah. I, I can only think of maybe a few or a couple real major disagreements, which would be maybe the rapture is it is it physical or is it spiritual? That kind of stuff. But even the all these other things, real like a whole Satan, lot of them Satan are in, in futurism. You know, you we know have the supernatural world and devils and yeah, angels. and all of and, that's in it's all, Yeah, yeah. Right. John You're Walton.
5: John Walton. I'm not just saying there should be.
8: Point. I'm just asking yeah. if it could be, or maybe at some point in time. I know that maybe no. not no. now. It's the best time. Yeah, I, I think. I think what's
5: happening is this is a relatively new thing for most people. Although it's not a new thing. Right. Uh, true. Very as, true. As I'm, I've, I'm, discover, I'm I've known this, but I'm discovering more things. And it's around the world. True. Uh, and you know, people always ask me, is you know, is there a Preterist church somewhere? Right. And I you you need to be careful about that because you don't want to go to a church that everything's Preterism. I mean, there's more than the Bible than just Preterism. Well, that's almost against Preterism in itself, yeah. saying that. Yeah. So I, 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 I tell you, you, need to find a good church where you know. People love one another. People are getting into the Bible. There's, you know, you're open to asking questions and things things of that sort, which it's hard to find. Oh, Oh, yeah. Hard to find. But I think what's happening is these people all over the world, and they're in churches all over the world, and they're talking to other people about this, because I think if you were to survey everybody here, they heard about this through someone else. True. And, or some book or whatever the case might be. And so... I encourage people just to kind of stay among where your friends are and talk to them. And so, but don't beat them over the head with it, of course. It's not, I mean, there there are more, there are other things to do than just to talk about preterism. Uh, And although I didn't know it was a dating technique, that was the... (laughs) (laughs) Book forthcoming. (laughs) And Those verses
3: in the Bible aren't the only thing that people disagree about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh,
7: Gary's point is... I think really important because I think one of the to me one of the problems with the preterist movement is if someone believes the Lord returned you join together and it doesn't matter what else they believe you know I mean yeah. their soteriology so far off but you don't care because oh they believe the Lord returned and and I've made the statement many times from the pulpit that I'm not a preterist pastor I'm a pastor whose eschatology is preterism and I think that's an important distinction because you know, people expect to come here and that's all they hear about is preterism. And if it's in the text, they're going to hear about it. Okay. Well, my wife says every week, in every text, but. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll hear plenty of messages that don't even talk about that. Cause we're dealing, yeah. you know, well, that's the thing, when you go verse by verse through the text, you deal with the text and it's, again, it's, you know, I wish that we would center more, like Gary said, on the Bible as a whole, not on one area of it, you know, that I think, I think preterism is important because I think it affects a lot of your worldview. But if that's all you're about and you, you know. That's kind of what we're sitting here talking goes by the about. Is, that's sad.
8: Is what, what is preterism today and what's in the worldview? Is it, should it be something or should it not be something? Because it's either you get into a room, a group of people, and they're constantly bickering and arguing over everything, or, or there's nothing to go to. And you segregate yourself into basically an abyss because you have nobody else to talk to about it. So it's either you step into shark waters, or you don't get wet at all. So I mean, is it? Where's the point of view for the world for or? I preterism? just think,
5: look, you need to have a larger circle of friends. I mean, you've got to. You know, I I know. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a preterist, and I I'm, I'm, I believe have other things I believe too. But I associate with people who I don't ever really talk about those things with. It's a it's a relationship that I've established with them over a long period of time. If the subject comes up around that, and they know who I am, and they'll oftentimes ask me, "Gary, I, you know, I'm asking a question about this or that," uh, get into it kind of through the back door sort of thing, uh, and I think that's important as well. We we need to have lots of friends, and I, coming from somebody who doesn't like <laughs> doesn't like to have a lot of friends, right. but my you know my <laughs> wife, I tell people my, my wife has civilized me, so. I she she has forced me well, we to be thank you for more here. social and all that sort of thing. I, there's look there's all kinds of things that have to go into being a human being in the world and as a Christian in the world today. I think we need to take all of those things into account, all of them. Now uh, there's there's being a Christian is 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 so big in its focus that I think too oftentimes we are so narrow in what we're actually doing and it's Christianity being a heaven. You know, when the Bible talks about, we are a new creation, that's, that's everything. So anyway, and I know we're just. Well, right I was going to say
0: we have about five to 10 minutes and we do have a mic here. If anybody in this uh, congregation has any questions or something that they would like to add that they've thought of while they were
5: here, who is it?
0: Yeah. Go to the mic.
5: We're allowing questions. Yeah, we don't know. Don't
9: question the speaker. John John Bray
5: when when John Bray was asked to define the Great Tribulation, his answer was questions from the audience. That's
11: <laughs> right. Well, first of all, I wanna thank you all. You're wonderful. I loved hearing all your points of view. And Gary, you're 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 terrific. And Rick, you're terrific. And Bob, I don't wanna leave anybody out. I think you're all great. And this was Andy, you know, he's terrific. God loves him. Um but I think that it's impossible to be a good Christian. I think Christ in us is good and we're we have to step aside and when he loves people, it's him that does it. It's the Holy Spirit that does it because like I know I have a hard time loving people, but when I say Jesus love people the way you want to do it, he shines and it's not me. So I think when we do anything of ourselves it doesn't really go so well. And when we let Christ do the work in us because we have the Holy Spirit and we abide in Him, and He died, so we could, He died for us, we can live for Him. And the main thing with that is, die to self. We were nail, nailed to the cross. And although it's hard to, know that it was done. It was a finished work on the cross. We're dead. I mean, so we have to let Jesus shine in us, and that's the only way. Because when I try to do it, it doesn't work. Just like when I try to stop drinking, I tried. I said, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And I always failed. And when I finally said, I can't do it, I can't. But Jesus, you can do it. Just do it. Let it be done. And he did it 32 years ago. So when we stop trying to do it in our own self and let Jesus just take the wheel he does it so you know trying to be a good Christian I think is kind of impossible I think only Christ is the Christian so anyway thank you guys you're all wonderful so
0: thanks Karen anybody else have anything I was going to say uh yeah there you go buddy
13: okay I, I I'm not a prayerist uh I don't think. I don't know. I might be after I leave here. We can fix that. Uh, <laughs>
8: <laughs> twice as you yard. Pete after
7: me. Yeah, um,
13: you didn't ask me first, Rodney. Right. Well,
8: um, so we start that denomination now. Well, I'm,
13: I'm kind of like Pete. I, I follow my wife a lot. So I'll let you know next week what she is, and then I'll you know like, go Um But but you know my my whole my whole thing on this is is you know I of course my wife reads your books and I listen as I'm supposed to. Um, And I hear a lot of this, you know. And for me, um, you know, the love of Christ is what it's all about. Um, I don't care that you're a preterist. I don't care that you're an atheist. I don't. I love you. It's what Christ said I'm to do because I hated people for a long time. I've only been saved eight years and I was not a good person. Not a good person. So if God can reach down and touch anybody the way he touched me is amazing in itself, Uh, but I've got a friend that that is a preacher. I haven't talked to him about the Predator's thing or nothing, but I know I can because we've been together since we were kids, and this guy will listen to whatever I wanna talk to him about, but he has this saying, and he said this. He said, as long as you believe that we're all under the blood of Jesus Christ, he said, I can walk a long way with that man before Mm -hmm. we have to part ways. What I'm having a hard time understanding, because me and Rick Welch are good friends, mm-hmm. real good friends, and because he believes one way and I believe another way, that's not going to change that. I'm going to keep listening to what Rick tells my wife and whatever they decide to do, that's what I'm going to do.
0: So, <laughs> you need to get control of your woman.
13: <laughs> but but that, see, that's my whole thing. Card. We're all Christians, and, and I'm having a hard time with... The way Christians are treating you because you believe a different way. I mean, uh, we've got preachers here that have been put out of their church because they believe the rapture's already happened. Listen, my friend, I don't give two cents whether it's happened or it's not happened. All I know is I'm a saved child I'm glad of God. You said sense. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I, I wonder for a second. I
9: We were all waiting
13: for it. I really, I don't care because there's one thing I'm sure of, whether I believe the rapture has happened or whether I don't know that the rapture has happened or not. One day when I take my last breath here, Jesus Christ himself is going to come from heaven. He's going to get my soul and he's going to take it right back where it belongs. That I know. I do know that. Will I see a rapture, I don't know. I don't know if I will or not. Is it true? I don't know. But one thing I do know as a Christian, and I bet every one of us in this room can agree on the same thing, except for probably Andy, the Lord is going to come back and get every one of us. Him, He, he himself. I, told, I think I might have told Rick this the other day. If I buy a new truck, I'm not going to call Rick up and go, hey, man, I just bought a new truck. Why don't you go on down there and run that thing through the mud once or twice and bring it on home to you? <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to do that. Jesus got nailed to a cross for me, and you can better bet he paid the price for that. And he's coming back to get me himself. I just can't wrap my mind around people having such a problem with you think the rapture's already happened. Well, I don't. Well, you're an idiot. Well, you're an idiot.
6: Well, I, I don't get that. I, I agree with you. And um, John Eck dealt with Luther. And he just said, you know, Luther, how can you believe this justification, forensic justification? It hasn't been taught anywhere in the church. And the Reformation movements, you know, started with this, the Bible alone. Scripture alone is our authority. But as time went on, and that's what we dealt with in our book, you know, House Divided, is we're we're dealing with seven Reformed guys who 60% of that book was creedal. Appeals. Only 40% was exegetical material. And over time, the Reformed Church has adopted John X's position. Well, how can youthful preterists be right? Even though I'm using their arguments in forming mine, it, it's, it's mind boggling, but still, tradition is so powerful. And and once these institutions get funded and there's denominations, <laughs> that's why I'm like, I don't know if I want to be. No, no. Um, once the money's there and there's careers on the line, I mean, it's hard to be open-minded. Right. Because you've got people—and Gar- Gary has felt pressure from Full Preterist, and I watch <laughs> online and I see him getting blasted by what I call mm-hmm. They want They want him his head on a chopping block. The, you know. So it's like we have to be free to study Scripture, mm-hmm. Scripture alone— And and we have to be free to study. And I I agree with you. It tears me apart when people damn me to hell because I'm a full preterist. And, you know, I, I get angry about it, and sometimes I let it go, but it's just, it is sad. It, it's sad yeah, it's to see that in sight. the body of Christ. Well, you're
3: right about the money because look at the Sadducees and the Pharisees. That's why they killed Christ because he had uh, the, the, the... It was power. Yeah. There's He's power, power coming after system. his way of life. And by the way, Andy, Jesus is coming for you at the end. It's just whether or not you say okay when he gets there.
1: <laughs> oh, so can I, Guys, I got to... Go yes, then I got to say wrap one it thing? Out. Regardless, honestly, of what view you have, um, futurist, preterist, whatever it may be... Um, I think the 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 thing here is is that regardless of that view, we're still taught through the Bible of how we're supposed to conduct ourselves. That doesn't change regardless of what the view is for that part of it. Even Andy, um, from his view... I get so much... The, not, not, yeah. not, I get so much Andy even show. Hold uh, on. Even not Andy. Even, Andy. even
2: and,
0: Andy.
2: Should we change
1: the name of the podcast? Yes, it's called <laughs> Even
0: Andy. and I have a side, a side study called Even Andy. So, right. so
1: not even whether you agree with where the view comes from. Whether you agree that morality came from the basis of Christ creating it or God creating it and it going down, regardless, you still have adapted some type of moral view, and you implement that into your life. And, and then none of us sitting here know when the end time is for us specifically. And I think that when people start attacking one another based on their views as far as end time views... Um, isolating people, I guess, is how you're feeling as if, like, if you come into your group of friends and you're saying, you know, hey, guys, I heard this, and then you're being attacked and you're being thrown out of a church, and, you know, that just takes the whole point of what he, what Christ put in was saying how we are supposed to conduct ourselves as Christians. It is it's not, we're still supposed to live here. We're still supposed to love one another. We're still supposed to live our lives, however long that is, regardless of what your view is, the right way, and treat one another correctly and the fact that you're tearing each other down based on what your eschatological view is is incorrect and that that the, your view of that shouldn't determine how you live your life the way you're supposed to live your life regardless of how many days you're here is how you, we should we should live our lives and how we should treat one another and we can be friends just because you believe something differently how your end is going to be as opposed to mine doesn't change the fact that we both receive Christ and we're both children of god
2: I feel like everybody agrees over here. That's why when when he asked the question, should there be a church? Basically, everybody over there shook their head no. Like, that's not the basis for an entire denomination. I think they all agreed, although they all believe that. But, yeah.
0: Yeah, but there is still, I mean, but also debate. There is time. There is time for it. There is time for it. The Scripture teaches it. You know, we wouldn't be here if Last Day's Madness hadn't been written— (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> if last Thanks, days kid. madness hadn't been written um i may not have questioned the left behind series you know i whatever uh, that that was an eschatological view that was shaping the world people were thinking it zionism was happening those books that were coming out they were making us question it but he didn't beat me over the head with it with, with it <laughs> he didn't beat me over the head <laughs> with it Presented the case and it, you know, made sense anyway, guys. Thank you so much for being here, Pete, Bob, David, Gary, Jeffrey, Denise, D nice, (laughs) Michael, (laughs) Andy, Rick, Cherry, Ralph. This was a big crowd, guys. It was, it was, it
2: was awesome. Thank
0: you guys for being here, and uh, we will talk to you guys next time on the boroughs of Berea. Peace out. Hey, all you Burrows of Berea listeners, I have been getting questioned on how you can help give support to the podcast, which is crazy, Andy. People actually want to give us money. Isn't that neat?
2: I, I was going to say I don't understand it because I thought that might be funny, but but I do understand it and genuinely appreciate it.
0: Yeah, Yeah. So here's what we want to do, okay? First of all, we're going to tell you how you can help us if you want, but I also want to tell you exactly where the money's going none of this money is going to be used actually to make any content. We're not going to do that. I'm going to continue to do that. We're just going to keep making content. But what we wanted to do was something weird. We want to put up billboards around the country. We want to have these donkey faces everywhere. Not our faces, but our donkey faces (laughs) put up everywhere to try to get people to come to listen to the podcast. One of the things that I've been hearing from some of the positive stuff has to do with that we're lighthearted and we're reading the scriptures and we're just, we get along, you know, and that's that's important. It's something that we all need to be able to do. We ought to be able to just read a book and talk about it and not feel like we're going to slaughter each other at the end of the day, right? So here's all you have to do. If you'll go to www.patreon.com, that's P A T R E O N.com forward slash the boroughs of Berea, and it'll take you to our Patreon page. And you will see we've got like 10, 11, 12, you know, people that give monthly. And each one of those, there are different levels. You can pay $3 and you're a mini borough. You can be. Uh, A Brayer warrior, and that gives 10 bucks or something like that. And it goes all the way up to like 20 bucks. But anybody that wants to give, if you would go to Patreon and do it there, all that money that's going to be accruing there, we're going to be using to put billboards around the country. And so as soon as the first billboard gets up, I'm going to send pictures and show you that they're up. And hopefully we can just get people to come and listen to the show. My favorite idea that I have. Is on a place that I sat for five hours, which is Interstate 5 in Los Angeles. It was the worst. God, how much is the billboard there? Uh, I don't know. Because the traffic. It, exactly. You and know, so people would so see it. So much traffic. Yeah. And they're going to be like, What's, what is this all about all these donkeys? You know? <laughs> so help us out. So, again, guys, that's what it's for. If you go to www.patreon.com, Forward slash the boroughs of Berea. pick a level. Help us out. We will be putting out notes. I try to put out some notes, you know, quite often. Uh, we've also you can go to boroughsabria and you can sign up for our newsletter, and we'll keep you guys updated as we accrue. Once we get to that level, it's probably five thousand dollars for a week, or maybe twenty thousand for a month in LA. I don't know. Whatever it yeah. is, but. I want to see that happen one day. So, guys, help us out. Tell other people about us. Share anytime you can. Listen. Give us feedback. Um, And we love you guys. It's been so much fun. We look forward to another year.
2: Yeah, thank you. It is really fun.
0: Yeah, very much so. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you later.
4: You, uh, you want, you wanted more?